Oh boy. Okay. All right. Let me start by saying this. The past four years on Earth has felt a bit like the last four seasons of Game of Thrones. In fact, if somebody actually sat down and wrote what has been happening over the last four years, particularly during 2020, and then try to pass it off as a, as a TV show, like to try to pitch it, it would be so unbelievable. <laughs> and I think that the, the executives would consider the writing so terrible and the plot so convoluted that I don't think any network would pick it up. And yet here we are towards the end of August watching everything just play out. I mean, you're you're seeing plots repeating. You're seeing just over, overly obvious villains. <laughs> like, you guys know who I'm talking about. Um, like, we have a villain right now in the U.S., who's the president, who is so villainous, it's it's almost comical. Like, he doesn't seem like a real person. Actually, I'll take that back. If I literally took a time machine back to, like, college, film school, and I sat down and I wrote this person up, I would fail for writing a character that's just so unbelievably villainous. There's just no... No style to it, right? It's not subtle. You guys ever watch a show where, like, there's a character that, like, you, you like, you know? And it's like a, you know, the character is smart and witty. And then they just start doing villainous things. And you're like, holy shit, like, this person is a villain, right? And it makes you, like, even more intrigued by the story, right? You're just like, I, I gotta keep watching. Like, I but I kind of like this person. Like, how could they be a villain? Like, or it's a villain that's so, so bad that you, like, you just love hating them, right? Like a, like a Cersei in the first three seasons of Game of Thrones or who else is like an iconic villain? I can't think of it right off the top of my head. Um, But just iconic villains, you know, like not one, not one dimensional, right? Multi-layered um, Killmonger. Killmonger is a good villain. Like, Killmonger is such a good villain because on one end, you're like, yo, like, I get it. <laughs> like, I understand where you're coming from. But on the other end, like, you're a dick. <laughs> like, stop fucking choking women. Stop killing women. But, like, if you weren't killing women and choking people and trying to kill them, like, you would be the star of the show. You're such a good villain, right? Killmonger was a good villain. But you, 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 when you sit and you want to write a story, right, you need to, like, there's nuance, there's style, there's, you know, backstory, there, there's, there's elements to a character that you, you know, motivation that you use to craft a personality that when you place that, you know, you immortalize this character on a screen, viewers watch it and they go like, okay, this is an intriguing villain, you know? Hannibal Lecter is an iconic villain. Um, shit, even Ursula from <laughs> Little Mermaid is an iconic villain. Um, and you can think of villains right now. Like, I'm off the top of my head. You know, like you try to think of something and then you black out. That's what's happening to me right now. Like I'm, I can't really be on the ones that I listed. Um, and I'm sure some will come to me as I'm talking. But that's on film. We have on film characters heroes villains that like literally have more thought towards their development than we're seeing like we're experiencing in our actual waking reality that's wild to me my regular listeners like you guys know the underlining theme to this podcast right that we're clearly living in a simulation in a previous episode i actually took it a step further and said that this simulation is a type of entertainment with each of us basically our lives basically being like our very own like vr youtube channel right 
like a, an advanced YouTube. And I only say YouTube because, you know, I don't mean it's like actual YouTube, but imagine like a different world outside of this one and their version of YouTube. YouTube is just the name that I'm using so that you can draw the comparison. But all of us live in our lives. We think we're just living, but we're actually in a simulation and we have subscribers and people are watching our lives like that that's kind of where I stand more or less and you know if you're listening to this if you're a regular listener to this like I guarantee you like I know for a fact that you're one of those kind of people that you know you are you work on being like a like a good person. If if you're not trying to be a good person, at least you want to develop your character, right? If you're you're either reading a lot or you're working out or you're meditating, like you're genuinely trying to craft a character that is rich, right? Like you want the, you want to be the kind of person you have in your you you have an idea in the mind of the kind of person that you want to be and you work towards that. I know I do. I know I every day I'm trying to become a better artist, right? I'm trying to become a better thinker, a better philosopher, a better parent, a better wife, a better friend, right? You're, you're working towards some sort of growth as an individual. You're developing your own persona as best as you can. Otherwise, obviously, you wouldn't be listening to podcasts such as these or reading the books that you read or even, you know, watching the channels that you watch, um, listening to the music that you listen to. It's all part of this personality that you're crafting, that's the majority of us, at least I'd like to think. And then you have an individual that's presently holding the highest office. <laughs> Not even, I, I don't even want to say in the land. I'm going to say in the world because the world watches the United States. The known world, right? Especially now with social media and, and cell phones. and Everyone's watching. So, like, they're watching us. So you have this individual who holds the highest office in one of the most, if not the most influential nation on this planet in the simulation right now. I'm going to stick with the simulation as a basis. So in the simulation, the most watched, the most known, well-known character, the most prominent character, everybody across the simulation right now, knows this one persona and it's Donald Trump and he is the most the most lazily <laughs> written. he is the most lazily 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 like just written like a 10 year old could write a better character one done one is it denominational one dimensional sorry <laughs> my brain is farting um one dimensional character ever conceived no growth no aspirations no evolution we've watched this guy he has been in the forefront of all of our conscious minds for the last four years this dude has not evolved one iota one iota if this was a tv show you would have turned the shit off already (laughs) and you know it and you know it you're smiling because you know it. You know it's true. If you would have invested four years into watching this show of Earth and this character, the main, one of the main characters, the lead villain of Earth 2020 is the same as he was four years ago. No character arc no redemption, just doing the same, actually doubling down. You would be like, okay, either are the writers on strike or are they just not trying? Like, what is happening here? What is happening here? You know, somewhere out there, I know that there is another world, a parallel, an alternate server, I like to call it, um, where when they write characters, like, they actually make sense like there's grit and there's life and there's dimension to the characters and it it tells an intriguing story because i i mean it's not even entertaining anymore 
another individual after we we just all marched in protests and we put our screens on social media and we you know blacked out and we boycotted and we we did, we just did all of this we we all we all we just we just <laughs> you ever laugh cuz you like you don't have like you're you're maxed out on emotions and all you have left is laughter i remember in college i i I think in my sociology class or anthropology class, I learned about the ache of the calam- calamari. <laughs> They're an African tribe. They're not the calamari. Calamari is, is squid. Um, can't think of what their name of it, but they're the eek. And they had been through so Kalahari, not calamari, the eek of the Kalahari. Um, and I'm probably brutalizing their first, their actual name, but they're in the Kalahari desert. And, um, and this tribe had experienced so much, so much travesty and so much suffering and so much horrible things, disasters happened to them that the only emotion that they had left was laughter. So much so that when bad things would happen, like somebody might fall off a cliff or something like that, they would just laugh. And I remember in college, thinking oh my god like what sort of experiences would you have had to go through like how bad could life have been for these people that literally the only thing left the only emotion left for them to share to express is just laughter because that's literally the only thing that can kind of make them that can heal them in a way because everything else they've, they've they're all cried out they're all they're just emotionally exasperated and worn out and life has become so incredulous with the disasters and the on and the negativity and you know just one thing after another that all they have left is laughter all we have left is laughter and i remember thinking like man like how do you get to that point and now i'm watching 2020 play out and you know i have i've been trying to stay off my phone I've definitely been off social media and, you know, I've kind of talked to you guys about that, but even more so, I don't know what's going on with my phone, but if I am on it too long, if I'm like looking through long or scrolling through long, like I physically, physically have been starting to get like nauseous and dizzy just from holding my phone too long or texting too long. And when I walk away from my phone, I feel fine, but while I'm close to the phone or holding the phone or talking, even right now, like doing this episode, like I'm trying to be mindful of like not holding it too close to me because it's physically making me like dizzy, like nauseous. Like I feel physiologically, like I'm physiologically reacting to my phone. Now, I don't know if it's 5G that's happening. You know, I'm not, you know, really super versed on that whole quote conspiracy. Um, I don't know, but all of a sudden, like, my phone has been making me, like, dizzy and sick. So I've been trying to, like, stay off of it as much as possible. And also, of, of course, for the sake of my mental health. And so my, my cousin t- uh, called me and he's like, have you seen what's going on with this? Um, I don't even know the individual's name. Um, I think it was Jordan Blake. Um, Do you see what's happening with that? And I was like, no, what's happening? And um, he told me and I was like yo, we just did this. Like, we just did this. Like, last month. We we just... <laughs> what the fuck? We just did this. You know, there's a temptation to kind of jump in and kind of go go in again, you know, go all out again. But, I mean, it's a podcast, so you don't have to go that far back. <laughs> like... And see, now I feel like the ik of the Kalahari. Like, what else is there left to do? You've kind of burned, you're kind of burnt out on anger. You're kind of burnt out on sadness. You're kind of burnt out on tears. You're kind of burnt out on just, like, shock. Like, you're, 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 you're tired and all that is left in your emotional, like, you know, in the box of, in Pandora's box that is emotions all that you have left is just 
to laugh. It's just to laugh because, like I said in the previous episode, you know, we always say like things are too good to be true and we never question, you know, the nature of reality when things are almost too bad to be true, right? We never say, okay, something is too bad to be true. And here I am. I'm saying it like all of this that's happening is almost like it's too bad to be true. It should really wake us up to the nature of our reality. We should really be looking around and saying, okay, like we're constructing this. And if we're constructing this, then we also have the power to like unmake this. And if we have the power to unmake this, then we need to collectively come together and ask ourselves, is this the kind of life that we want for our children? Do we want our children feeling what we're feeling? Do we want our children have, I, I don't want my child having to be sitting, you know, at in her 30s talking about this shit. I, it, to, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want her 10 years from now talking about this. I don't want her 20 years from now talking about this. And I think I even said this in an episode like that I recorded, you know, a couple of months ago when the George Floyd thing happened. I don't want my child, my family members, my, my nephew talking about this or being a victim of what we all know is a problem in this country. And I guess we weren't looking that far because I didn't even have to wait till a decade for us to get past this. You know, it's just a month and we're back talking about this and we're protesting again and, and we're seeing the looting again and we're seeing the riots again and we're seeing cities on fires. And and now you're seeing active militia who, when people were being snatched up illegally, when protesters were being snatched up illegally by the government and being thrown into unmarked vans, the quote militia... As Trevor Nova calls them, he says that they're a gang and I have to agree with him. But this quote, militia weren't about to take up arms against their government because that's the purpose of a militia. At least that's supposed to be the purpose of the militia is to protect the people against a tyrannical government. None of that happened. You have people now protesting and then a militia shows up or under the guise of militia, whatever they want to call it, and shoots people. Um, okay. You know, if if you would have asked me, um, I did speak on how I felt about all of this a month ago and I recorded it how I felt. And now I am... Here I am a month later, kind of plagued with the same sort of question, like, what do you make of this? And my cousin asked me, he said, you know, what do you make of this? And I'll share my response to him here. I, what I said to him was this. There are some white people, there's some European Americans who treat race relations in this country or racism in this country as though they're like spectators cheering for like their favorite like sports team and you almost don't you almost can't blame them obviously you can't but you almost can't blame them and what he was saying was like so he saw a post and it was more protesting happening and then he read the comments and then the com in the comments like somebody was like demonizing a protester and saying like they're all looters and somebody responded thankfully and said, listen, when a cop kills people indiscriminately, um, I should say when a cop, when a cop kills black people, you know, indiscriminately, just walks in and shoots a person while they're sleeping in their house or shoots somebody seven times in the back or you know, places a knee on their on their neck until they suffocate to death or, you know, just when that happens, you lot 
right? The, the white supremacists, the people who are choosing to pretend like we don't have a systemic issue of racism in this country. You lot like to jump on this bandwagon and say, um, they're just a few bad apples. They're not all like, bad apples rather. They're not all like that. Not all cops are like this. But then when it's, when you see protests happening and then you see people after the curfews are over, take advantage of the chaos and start looting, you don't apply that same logic to the protesters, right? <laughs> right? Like, and, and to me, I was like, yeah, that, that's, that's fair. That's a very smart assessment. Um, if you want to, if your defense of you know, police brutality is, it's just a few bad apples, but then you use that mindset. It's the same mind that turns around and demonizes protesters and say, and it says they're all looters. Um, that is a problem, right? And those sort of people who do make those kind of statements do need to be checked and they do need to be called out on because it's a logical fallacy and they might not even be conscious of it. They might not be aware of what they're doing. And so instead of like calling them names, like, you know, you're a fucking idiot, like explain it to them, plant the seed into their mind so that they are at least on some level made conscious of the way that they're coming off and like what's wrong with the way they think and they're thinking because it's those sort of sort of mindsets that continue to propagate what we are seeing and have seen this summer. Right. Another argument is that it's, once again, the same people who are treating race relations in this country as though, you know, their favorite team, like they're part of a football team and they're favorite team is being like you know attacked or accused of like not following the rules or or breaking the rules or breaking the law or misbehaving and they're jumping in to defend you know members of their team all the while completely disregarding the fact that these are human lives that are being destroyed and not just the victims of police brutality but the people who share skin skin color and it's not just black people that are dark complected indians like east indians are dark complected there are some mexicans that are dark complected there are Filip- um filipinos that are dark complected there are puerto ricans there are people of color who are affected by this that are afraid as well i mean the media might be, you know, sensationalizing attacks against police attacks and murders um, against black people. Um, but this is a situation that is sort of systemic against people of color. It's the we have a police department in all these different cities that aren't they're just they're not either they're not adequately running background checks on the people that they hire to wield a gun and quote-unquote protect and serve or they're they are intentionally hiring people who have a bias against people of color obviously as that it's showing and i've said this before and i'll say it again first of all we're, we're about to enter into like a recession we're already in a recession you know, fingers crossed that it doesn't turn into a depression. There are going to be a lot of people without jobs. There are a lot of people without jobs. Just like in the military, you cannot call yourself an, an officer unless you have a college degree. I think that that bar of who can become a police officer needs to be raised so much so that at the very least, you should not be allowed to become a police officer because the pay, the pay is good. Right. So to pay people who, for the most part, 
I think the the bare minimum to be a police officer is that you have like a GED or a high school diploma. Like raise the raise the standards. Let's give these jobs to people who, at the very least, have two year college credits, and that they've taken classes on ethics. They've taken classes on philosophy. They've taken classes on sociology like raise the bar because if you're going to give these individuals deadly weapons that's that bar needs to be raised you know where the people who are wielding the weapons are aware of social or structural violence and and concepts of like cultural violence like if you can't go into certain certain positions right like let's say like I think like the NFL right you can't just go into the NFL straight from high school because physically right you and psychologically you need to be mature enough to be able to handle the pressures of playing in that kind of league um I think before you give an individual a whole gun to protect and serve right and to be in charge of making these decisions um you should at the very least be required to have a college diploma or or I should I should say at the very least a two-year degree and then a college diploma at most (sighs) that's this is me speaking as unemotionally as I possibly can about all of this back to the point that I made about you know how I don't want to label these people racist but that is what their behavior sort of displays you know they when these sort of things keep happening there are still in august 2020 people who are still demonizing the victims even though it's like painfully obvious at this point that that there is clearly a double standard and then there are people while demonizing the victims also defending police officers that are clearly not being trained properly or clearly have issues or are there's just a lot happening right now. We have a problem. And what I said to my cousin was, if you look at your race as a team, the way you've been programmed to, and it is in your mind, white, white versus black, no matter what you see another white person doing, if you're white or European American, no matter what you see another European American doing, because you identify with the skin color, you are going to defend the person who holds holds the skin, the same color you have, because in your mind, you're on the same team, right? So if I'm a Cubs fan and I'm watching a game and it's like the Cubs versus the Cardinals, no matter what the, no matter what the referees say, or the officials say that, you know, the Cubs did wrong. And even if it was like a clear flagrant violation, like, you know, the pitcher like punched, <laughs> punched, you know, the first baseman or whatever. I'm not really good with my baseball terms, but um, just walked up to him and just punched him square in the face. Even if you saw that shit happening because of how much you identify with your team, you are going to still defend the actions of the team that you have identified with that fiercely. I mean, you're almost programmed to. So at a certain point, you're not even like, you can't even be like shocked. I can't be shocked and surprised that there are white people that are still defending the actions of white police officers, despite everything that we've seen and everything that we've gone through leading even up to this year. Um, it's human nature and and I don't expect what's going on to change overnight um, but you can of course understand and empathize with me if I'm you know exhausted and tired of talking about it because we get promised change and Nothing seems to happen. Um, if the temptation is there to criticize and tear down and bring, you know, and say, like, these people are this and these people are that. and But once again, even that I'm tired of. 
Um, so I'm going to sidestep and shift to just overall how we deal with each other, um, particularly um, criticism and more specifically the voice in our head. Um, I have been, like I said, listening to Osho. Um, I think I'm on, uh, I'm going back and re-listening to one of uh, his volumes on the Dhammapada. And um, what I've gotten from it is a conscious awareness of the voice in my head. Um, and what that has taught me or what that has done for me is overall has made me less judgmental. Um, and the way I got to that point was by listening to the voice in my head, um, and realizing that the majority of the, of what the voice in my head says is like just straight up judgmental and condemning condemnation. And for me, why that has been life changing for me is because it took me almost 35 years to get to the point in my life where I realized like, um, if I'm sitting in my head and I'm just shitting on everything other people are doing, right. I'm somehow unconsciously or subconsciously, maybe unconsciously also elevating myself above other people, right. If I'm judging a person, right. When you go to court, the judge is always over you, right? The judge always sits up above the defendant and the plaintiff. So w- when you go to a courthouse, you see basically physically what happens in our mind when we judge people, when we judge each, o- each other. And when you live your whole life being programmed to judge, and this is obviously not unique to me, I guarantee you if you sit and you after you're done listening to this, you start paying attention to the voice in your head. You'll realize that if it's not judging, it doesn't have anything to say. It's just bitching. It's bitching about what somebody said in the past, what somebody might say in the future, why this person is a piece of shit, <laughs> what they did wrong, what they didn't do, what they said they were going to do. And it's just, it's this infernal judge. And the reason why you do that, and it's probably one of the most um, fundamental things that I learned from listening to all the books and all that, probably over close to 200 hours at this point of listening to Osho. Well, if I hadn't sped it up. So realistically, closer to like, let's say 50 hours, but still it's a long time. But two plus days straight, you know, nonstop, if I sat and listened to nonstop Osho at 3x speed, um, of just nonstop listening to Osho think, speak, the one thing that I got from it that has proved to be most helpful is that that judgment, all that does is it feeds the ego. All that does is it feeds the ego. And under normal circumstances, if we lived in the world where the, e- the ego was harmless, it wouldn't matter. But you know as well as I do that there's nothing more dangerous to you in this world than an overinflated and overpowerful and a dominant and out of control ego. There's nothing less attractive. There's nothing less just toxic to the people around you than an out of control ego. So every time you sit and you allow that voice in your head to pull you into the trance, as it always does, right? Because when it starts talking, you start listening. And a lot of the times, a lot of the reasons why a lot of us are kind of absent-minded or, you know, you walk into a room where you forget why you, you walked in there or you put something down and you can't find it later. It's because you're walking in a trance. You're not even in control of yourself. And what has kept you in there? Trance is basically the voice in your head fucking warm tonguing you <laughs> like and it's just shitting on everybody and you're listening to it it's complaining and it's complaining and it's complaining and I actually came to this uh realization today I not only have I been trying to avoid my phone social media but people who call me regularly I have basically told them my mom and my dad if you call to complain um if you're calling to complain please don't I don't want to hear it I don't want to hear it. And 
it's not because I'm trying to say in any way that I'm above all of that. I'm not. It's just when you call to complain, you're criticizing people. I have a voice in my head that loves that shit. It's addicted to that criticism. You have that same voice in your head. We all do. That's literally the voice in your head. All it does is fucking criticize. That's it. If it's not criticizing other people, it is criticizing you. I don't want to fucking hear that shit because if you call me to complain, you are ba- it's like a it's a bad habit, right? Like it's like if you it's we're addicted to criticism. We like complaining. It doesn't make us feel good, but we're addicted to it because as I've said I think 2-3 episodes ago, it feeds the ego, it satiates the ego. It makes you feel superior to other people. And so you're locked into it. If if I'm addicted to something, say I'm trying to, like, let's say I'm addicted to opioids, okay? No, alcohol, right? I'm an alcohol addict, okay? And I need to stop, okay? Every time, I'm not going to bring, I'm going to, first thing I'm going to do is try to get rid of all the alcohol that I have in my house. And second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to avoid going to places that have alcohol, at least in the beginning, until I can get myself to a place where I can handle my you know, my, my urges and control myself. If you're calling me while I'm in the midst of trying to like deal with this alcohol issue that I have, and you're basically like, you're walking around me with like glasses of alcohol and you're basically shaking the alcohol in my face. Like you're tempting me, right. To imbibe in something that I have determined. I don't, I no longer want to consume. It's not good for me. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with telling people, listen, if you're calling, if you're bringing that around me, it's something that I'm working on to stop. Please don't. There, there, I'm sure there's literally other people that you can talk to about that. And it's not a judgment against you. I'm not saying I'm better than you because I don't want to listen to you complain. I'm saying like, I don't like the way complaining makes me feel. And while I'm working on not complaining about other people, I don't want to hear you complain about other people because once you start complaining about other people then I'm going to be tempted to jump in and also complain about other people and then before I know it I'm walking around negative and angry and I'm judging the person and my ego is inflated it's a cycle we all do it we're all plagued by it. We're all plagued by that voice. And I think that the key to a more peaceful existence, a more, a more peaceful life, overall, if we stopped indulging in that mindset of criticism and judgment, and because none of us are better. Like we're all, we're all characters here in this world and none of us are perfect. And that has been something that has helped me stop the condemnation and the criticism and the judgment. And it's not even me that I'm doing it. It's when the voice in my head starts in on its thing. What I've come to, what I've been able to do is retort respond to that I'm not perfect nobody here is perfect I think the key the the overall problem that we are having in a society and that I think is the root for a lot of what we're seeing is that somewhere along the line religion um (laughs) something religion had somehow convinced us that there some of us are better than others religion and as a result it's not even just that I think first of all let's let's directly confront religion I can for sure speak to Christianity from a child you're told that there's something about you that's false that's flawed that's wrong not false but flawed and wrong and tainted and sick right you were born with this thing called sin original sin just the mere fact that you exist even as a baby you are not 
innocent, right? That's put in your head that you're born guilty of some sort of mistake, some sort of violation against an individual, your own father who created you, right? So that's put in your head that from birth, without just you coming out and going, yeah, you're you're tarnished, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> like you're born being, you're taught that you're born as a piece of shit. And then the person who took the time to create you, a male, somehow that makes sense, um, now had to send his only child, which why would God only have one child? Anyway, he now had to send his only child to die a horrible, 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 horrible death. Like in the worst possible way, get sacrificed like an animal in order to shed his blood to absolve you of this like filth that you were born with. And then only the people who acknowledge his sacrifice will go to this place where untainted people will live for all eternity after they die. And in the meantime, while we're here, basically the people who don't believe that he came to die in this horrible way, no matter what culture they're from or whatever, no matter what beliefs that they have, it doesn't matter because your God is superior to their God. Subsequently, you are superior to them. Right, and you are the quote chosen people. Do you hear how crazy this shit sounds? And this these these thought processes are prevalent, highly prevalent throughout society. And that's what a lot of people the the majority of the world isn't Christian, but the majority of the people who hold a lot of power are operating under Christian values. And so this mindset drives a lot of our thought processes. It drives a lot of our politics. It drives a lot of our culture. It drives a lot of our behavior. It drives a lot a lot of how we interact with each other. Right? And it literally is the voice in our head. It's you have been told that anything that you do that is basically natural, more or less. Like, like you want to have sex, right? But that's somehow a sin unless you do it under a sanction of a priest or a judge. But, but you have a natural instinct to procreate. Like that's a physical instinct, but somehow that's wrong. That's evil. If you have sex outside of marriage, you're evil, if you tell a lie, you're evil. I'm not condoning lying. I'm just saying, like, literally, like, if you do anything, if you masturbate, that's evil. If you eat pork, that's evil. If you eat shrimp, that's evil. If you're a woman and you wear pants, that's evil. If you wear your hair long, that's evil. If you wear your hair short, that's evil. If you don't wear a hat in church, that's evil. If you cover your head in church that's evil existing has become evil has become like just a mere existence the mere fact that you exist you're being told is an evil and the way we seek to absolve ourselves from the guilt that we feel for just merely existing, the guilt that has been imposed on us for just merely existing is by judging others as worse than us. And we do this consistently because it's a Defense mechanism, for lack of better phrasing. The counter to that is basically saying I 
I am not better than anybody, but nobody's worse than me. We're all here at the same time trying to figure this shit out. So we need to start treating each other, not as members of different teams, but as teammates who are in this together. And until we do, you know, that hyphen of Black American, African American, European American, Asian American, like we all focus on the first part of that sentence, not the last Right? Male, female, all the labels that we create for ourselves, and we miss the most important factor that one, none of us are copies of each, each other. We're all unique. We're not clones of each other. We're not drones. We're not cyborgs. Right? Each of us are uniquely different individuals and we're all happening to exist at the same point in time right now and what we do the choices that we make affect the kind of lives that we will have for ourselves in this time this moment in time and that we our children will have in the future for better or worse we're in charge here nothing's coming to save us stop and look back in history and realize that nothing came to save them they had to figure that shit out on their own figure this life out on their own but eventually they died out. And now it's our turn. And history will judge us the way we judge history and the way we judge ourselves. Unless we get ourselves, and of course, this is wishful thinking. I, I hope that this message falls upon ears that hear it and can utilize it and, one, be alleviated from that constant judgment that they have in their head. Because if you can recognize that as it happens, you can shut it off, which is what we all want for the most part is that peace of mind. And if it's constantly criticizing others as well as yourself, you're never going to have peace. A lot of people who commit suicide is because they can't stop the voice in their head. They can't get away from the voice in their head. That's their only escape. All right. <laughs> stop the judgment. The best way to do that is to recognize that, one, that voice in your head is lulling you into like a hypnotic trance of negativity. And you feed that by indulging criticism of other people. Pay attention to the things that you say when you talk about other people, when you judge other people. Who made you judge? Why are you seeking to elevate yourself above other people when you're here the same as them. They're unique, just like you. If you create things, if you're an artist, you paint. I don't look at my paintings and go, that's a shitty painting. <laughs> you know, not anymore. I just realized, <laughs> not anymore. I just realized that at a different point in my life, I was at different skill sets. And maybe that's not the best that I can do now, but it was the best that I can do at the time. And all I can do is just try to do my best at any given time. If you can start applying, like I said in the last episode, if you haven't listened, please go listen to it. And the one before that too. If you start applying the same, the mindset, I keep, I keep driving that, you know, this is a simulation. More importantly, that we're being watched and we're being observed. You can't tell me that we're not. At the very least, if you are, if you believe in aliens, you have to know that they're monitoring us. What these phones, this one that's like, I'm literally powering through dizzy, dizziness and nausea, just to have this to record this episode because like my phone is like making me feel some type of way, but I have to get this out. I'm going to get it out. You, you, we found ourselves. You woke up in this world. You can't leave. You don't know how you got there. Nobody does. And the belief systems that we all believe in were created and written by people 2,000 years ago who don't have, didn't have the answers either. 2,000, 4,000, 6,000, 10,000 years ago, they didn't have the answers either. They made up shit the same, same way I'm making up shit. And then it was just the most popular beliefs that got passed on. Didn't make them the most right beliefs, just the most popular. And like I said in previous episodes, choose your own delusion. My delusion is that the delusion I choose to believe, which I think is based on, you know, credible evidence that I have presented throughout this podcast and in my other podcasts as well, 
that we are living in a simulation, and I take it a step further to say that we are, we are being observed, then if that's the case, and my character is crafted in no different way than you are, you've been crafted, your personal persona has been craft, crafted, and yes, I understand that I started out just shitting on Trump, but you know, it was mostly for jokes. He is what he is, and he's serving a purpose, but somebody constructed that character. Who are we, any of us, to judge when we're within the simulation? If you're not out of the game, if you're within the game, if you're a character in the game, you have no right to judge. You're in the game. The only people who really have the power, the authority, the judge are outside. I really want you to sit and think about that. Because it's a lot of what is driving the division that we're seeing in this country, that we're seeing in families, that we're seeing in relationships, that we're seeing around the world. Judging each other when none of us have the room to judge. None of us are perfect. You've seen judges get arrested. You've seen lawmakers break the law. <laughs> they just accept titles and then the rest is illusion. The rest is, you know, game, like role play. They call themselves judges. A lot of the time, these judges are breaking the law. They just appointed themselves a judge and wore the outfit of the judge and they're playing the role of the judge, but they're not perfect. So understand that while you're judging people, that you're not perfect either. And that simple observation should be enough to make you stop and leave. I should say live and let live. Appreciate people for just what they are and how how they are. I think that's the key. And if enough people start practicing this, this is how we stop Allowing this world to continue down the path of becoming a type of hell. Because hell, by definition, is a place of condemnation and judgment. And that's what we're living in. So if we want to live away from hell, if we want to, because we have the power to transform hell into a sort of heaven, into a sort of utopia, we have to start by stopping the judgment and the condemnation. Anyway, I got to get off this thing. You guys take it easy.